1: All right, you guys, welcome back to the show. This is Morgan Zegers, and we are going to break down uh, quite a lot today. Specifically, we're going to be focusing on the World Economic Forum meeting that's happening in Davos, Switzerland. Some clips are already coming out. There's going to be uh, some time needed, I think, on my part. I don't know about everybody else, but so much is said at these major global conferences. It's hard to, to spot it all right away. Um, and so From the clips that have come out, it's already outrageous, and I want us to just see the ones that are circling. I'll give you a quick uh, background on the World Economic Forum on Klaus Schwab, the leader of it. And then before we get into those, of course, there's some topics that I want to talk about before that. Now, you guys, before we get into the show, remember if you want a freedom flag from me, I make Wooden American Flags with my family in upstate New York. It's how I paid off my student loans, and now it's just – it turned into some sort of kind of like family hobby. Now it's a small business for the family, and it's it does really well. So we just keep it going, and it's super fun with all of us in the workshop. So I honestly hope to continue it with my kids one day just to get them skills, give them woodworking skills, and maybe they can, like, put the money towards um, – getting a degree if they want to do that or whatever. But let's, I mean, come on, I'm not going to force, <laughs> I'm absolutely not going to force them into the current college system. But I, I like that idea of them being able to experience a small business, a completely hands-on one, especially woodworking. Um, so that's why I keep it alive. That's why I keep promoting it. And it's just really an honor to make the flags for you guys. So if you want one, if you want any of the political signs that we make, we make state flags. Um, my favorite is the Betsy Ross. But go to ZegersFreedomFlags.shop. And use code FREEDOM for free shipping. That being said, the Freedom Records, my nonprofit, the show that we put on interviewing survivors of communism, is coming out in June. It's almost June. Today is May 25th that I'm filming this. Um, I think I'm going to release it today. But uh, that show comes out in June, and I am just stoked. It, we worked really hard on it. It's kind of all my mind is focused on right now because it, it takes quite a lot of work. Now I finally have like employees, and uh, we hired an entire production team for it, outsourced that. And I don't know, I thought. Maybe this would take some some load off my shoulders. Eh. Wrong. <laughs> uh, so I'm excited, though. So be sure to go subscribe to the Freedom Records on all social platforms, and the full episodes are on YouTube and Rumble. We'll be get kicked off of YouTube probably, but hey, we'll still try. Uh, last thing, please subscribe to the podcast. I would really appreciate it, you guys, and it helps me out a lot um, when you leave actual worded reviews with the five stars. So thanks so much, and let's get into it. So, first thing, um, yesterday, pure evil came to Texas. And I, to be honest, you guys, this is not a, a current events radio show where I read off every piece of information that's come in on every single issue. This is something I'll talk about and we can discuss it and actual solutions for it when we have all of the information. But I am not someone. I don't know if you if you don't know me by now, then here's the lesson. I am not someone that will hear the first details of something and then go right to social media or go right to a show and just start blabbing because people need, people need to be a bit more humble about their opinions because uh, you'd think that they would learn by now. But what you know in the first 24 hours is often very different from the information that comes to light 1 hour later, 2 hours later, 3 hours, especially by day. And so, I'm just not interested in blabbing about something that I truly don't know anything about. Um, Anything other than support for the families at this time is just not going to come for me. Perhaps more people should take that tone because we don't know about the structure of security in the school yet. We don't know a lot of the factors and where things went wrong. And so if we knew those things, we could give a proper analysis of the situation. Seems kind of clear to me. I don't know. So, it was horrible. It was evil. It was a sicko. I cried cuz I love babies. I love children and I think they're the most innocent, sweet things in the world. And to shooting is bad enough, but when it's a teacher protecting her children, teachers protecting their children and innocent children in a school classroom, elementary school, it just is a a whole level of of evil. So, that's my thoughts on that right now. Um, the next, I thought this was interesting. My friend Drew Hernandez works at Turning Point USA. I do a, a podcast at Turning Point called Freedom Papers. It's it's very nerdy. So um, we break down every single Federalist and Anti-Federalist paper from the ratification debate of the U.S. Constitution back in 1787 because, I, I guess I'll tell you guys, the the founders needed to convince the American people to vote in favor of the Constitution or against it. Some were worried that it would lead to, to a monarchy, a repeat of King George, tyranny, um, oppression of the people. And so they didn't like it. And at the time, there wasn't a Bill of Rights. And so it was actually the advocacy of the anti-federalists that – resulted in America adding in the Bill of Rights to the Constitution because at first we didn't have that it was just the Constitution as it stood and I find that fascinating it, it was one of the great first examples of human collaboration to create a great result I mean I can't imagine this country without the Bill of Rights it's the structure of our government rooted in uh, checks and balances of power separation of power that is really sets us apart but at the same time I don't I don't know how we could be where we are today without that Bill of Rights in addition. So it's a beautiful story. And to know that they released the Federalist Papers and Anti-Federalist Papers as opinion pieces in newspapers across the country at the time, just 13 13 states, you guys, but across the country, the small one that it was, they did it because they wanted the average people to read it, read their words directly from, I mean, the Federalists were Hamilton, John Jay, James Madison, and the Anti-Federalists were a bunch of others as well, Uh, more than just those guys. And they wanted the average people to read and learn and then make an educated voting decision. And one of the biggest lessons is that the the naivete, I hate to call them that, I don't actually think the founders are naive, that's not what I'm saying, but the, the naivete of them thinking that, gee, America is so special, we couldn't possibly have to worry about a situation where they just don't care enough or are completely uneducated and can't partake in this citizenry style government that we've created for them like it's it's just too special no one no one would ever let that go and so just that basic concept is completely um changed as of now i mean if you ask most people they wouldn't be able to tell you basic american history or the name of our first president so oh boy how far we have declined but uh i went on a little tangent there I do that show at Turning Point, and it is such a passion project for me. I really enjoy it. The new episodes come out every Monday if you ever want to watch it um, on YouTube or if you want to listen. It's a podcast version, too, and usually my friend Connor Clegg joins. But Drew does front lines journalism. He he was in the Riot Squad, I think. I don't know much about his background, but like the guys that would go to the 2020 Black Lives Matter riots and all of the crazy stuff that was happening and bring cameras and document this stuff so that the average people could see it, Drew is one of them. And he went uh, and joined Turning Point and does more of the journalism-style stuff for Turning Point, and he went to the border this week and is covering it. And he released this fascinating video, and it's basically the illegal immigrants are let into the country, they're processed, and then they are just released into the country, and they get on buses, and the buses take them places across the country where they want to go. Can you put can you believe that? And so I'm watching this video, and Drew decides to stand outside of this bus and ask every single illegal immigrant, Where are you going? And every single one of them getting in line for the buses is like, We're going to Miami. We're going to Tampa. We're going to Florida. I want you guys to just listen to this. On
0: the bus, man? Miami. Miami? On the bus, man?
1: Miami? On Miami. Miami. Miami.
0: Yeah. the bus, man? man. On the Miami, huh? Tampa, Florida. Tampa? Hey. A lot of Florida. Miami. 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 Yeah.
1: So Drew posted that on Twitter and he, he said some kind of sassy thing about, like, hey, DeSantis, are you aware of this happening? That the federal government is processing the illegal immigrants quickly and then getting them on buses and shipping them to Florida? There's something to be said about that. I don't even think I have to fill in the blanks for you guys. I think you're smart enough to connect the dots on that one. Um, next thing that caught my eye before we get into the main topic. Interesting thing by USA Today. I'm, on, I'm scrolling, right? I usually scroll through social media and kind of like get the vibe. What's trending? What's going on? What are the, new, the current events? And then I get the heck off because it's toxic. Um, but I see this tweet. And it's a tweet by USA Today for an article titled Ohio Man allegedly linked to assassination plot against former President George W. Bush. Ohio man. So I'm like, huh, why would, why would an Ohio man want to kill George W.? And I click the article, and I kid you not, the first sentence, and you guys, let me just remind you, most people just read the headline and then keep scrolling and then take that as, Oh, an Ohio man tried to kill George W. Bush. Well, if you are the small percentage of the population that will take the time to click and then read the full article, first sentence of the article says, quote, an Iraqi national allegedly linked to a bizarre plot to assassinate former President George W. Bush appeared in court Tuesday after his arrest earlier by FBI Terrorism Task Force agents as part of a year-long investigation. There's more details in the article, and it says, Shahab Ahmed Shahab Shahab. 52, who has lived in Columbus, Ohio, and Indianapolis since arriving in the U.S. in 2020, allegedly pursued a plan to smuggle operatives affiliated with the Islamic State terrorist group ISIS into the country to murder the former president. According to court documents, Bush was never in any jeopardy to local law enforcement officials, said Tuesday. Yeah, guys, an Ohio man tried to kill george w bush i mean he came to ohio in 2020 and he's actually 50 and he's a a terrorist from iraq who was gonna smuggle in isis members to carry out the assassination plot but hey just a little difference here <laughs> so obviously I, I like to call those things out because it's important for us to be reminded oh yeah we got to read the full article okay now with that being said you guys let's talk about the world economic forum um what a mess All right, first thing that we're going to read is straight from the World Health Organization website. Their own website says this, quote, The World Economic Forum is the international organization for public-private cooperation. The forum engages the foremost political, business, cultural, and other leaders of society to shape global, regional, and industry agendas. It was established in 1971 as a not for profit organization and is headquartered in Geneva, Switzerland. It is independent, impartial, and not tied to any special interests. The forum strives in all its efforts to demonstrate entrepreneurship in the global public interest while upholding the highest standards of governance. Moral and intellectual integrity is at the heart of everything they do. End quote. This immediately reminded me of that quote of like being powerful as being like a lady. If you have to tell people you are, you aren't. (laughs) It's like if you have to put in the first paragraph explaining your organization that you are um, ensuring that you are moral and carrying out intellectual integrity, it Mm -hmm. makes me wonder if that's because you have a struggle with that exact thing. It's like with people on social media where I've learned – If you've seen my social media, it's a bunch of random quotes from Pinterest paired with like a picture of the day or me writing on a whiteboard what the topic of the podcast is going to be with some country music on it, of course, or for the ladies that I'm trying to inspire that there's a better lifestyle out there than the nasty culture that is pushed onto us. I want to be a role model. And so I share my day to day of like, look, 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 ladies, first you work out And then maybe you spend some time outside in that workout or after. You read a book. You read the Bible. You do your work. And then you go outside again because it's important to get more than 7%, which is the average amount of time in your life outside. We need to have more outdoor time, more time in the sun. Go outside. Go to work. Come back home. Eat a healthy meal. And then guess what? Read and then go to bed. It's a very simple process. So I try and share my life of normal hobbies normal schedule and healthiness for all the young ladies and then of course I put country music on that too because I'm Morgan um but that's my social media okay it's a marketing tool to carry out certain things or of course I'm trying to sell them flags you know what I'm saying um but I've learned along the way that when people have a struggle in their life they often just post about that weakness that they're experiencing as a strength online I have actually see like the the people that I know are dealing with specifically a certain topic will go and post advice about that topic for all the people to read as if they are experts in it and it's just happened too many times at this point that I'm like maybe this is a, a psychological thing where When people are struggling with something, it feels good to project that weakness as a strength online, or it's just a cover-up, whatever it is. But when I read this World Health – or look at me, confusing World Health Organization and World Economic Forum. Come on, Morgan. I mean, it's all the same but different, I guess. One of them gets a lot of taxpayer dollars from America. Okay. Okay. But let's do this sentence again. Moral and intellectual integrity is at the heart of everything it does. It just reminded me of a fake influencer, if you ask me. If you have to tell people you're moral and if you have to remind people in your first sentence that you, or your first paragraph that you have intellectual integrity, do you? I don't know. I'm sensing something a little fishy here. Now, that being said, I could do an entire episode, and perhaps I will, just doing previous World Economic Forum topics, really deep diving. I will say until I do this, go follow JP Sears and find his video on it. And who else wanna know who else talks about this? Russell Brandt. Those are two people go look into them and find their videos on this stuff because they they do more of a deep dive. I'm just gonna give you guys a quick synopsis before because I want to look at these videos that we just got out from the current uh, summit or whatever it's called that's happening um but one of the main points of the world economic forum it brings in the powerful politicians the rich people of the world the business leaders of the world all of them together in this this annual summit to try and get them to coordinate now that sounds actually like really nice and and a lot of the stuff that i read it'll say how you know with the capitalism that we have now, it's almost just assumed that we have to have some level of waste and perhaps there's a way that we can coordinate our industries and and work together to make sure that there's less waste in society and we're using things more efficiently. Don't get me wrong, guys. I love that. And it actually is very much in favor of capitalism to say that capitalism helps end the waste because there's so many opportunities to get creative and to collaborate. So that kind of already exists naturally because of the system the incentive of capitalism is to not have that kind of waste to not have the kind of waste and bureaucratic uh, inefficiencies that you see in government that's kind of the whole point so i read that and you're, you're like oh that sounds kind of nice that they're all working together but then you you see things like last night i was just watching a video from four months ago where klaus schwab the leader and i'll tell you a little bit about him in a second he introduced xi jinping and Xi Jinping comes on and says, we all need to work together for the greater good of society and bring all of us together and work as one. Uh, we all need to coordinate for the greater effort. And you're kind of like, eh. Because he's talking about human rights and he's talking about uh, – oh, this is my favorite one. China always says stuff – the communist Chinese, by the by the way. They always say stuff like we need to respect people's different cultures and differences in society but still work together. So China wants to be able to carry out its own practices, which uh, is genocide. Genocide against people that it doesn't like, the imprisonment of wrong thinkers and political dissenters and uh, the sending to re-education camps of anybody that thinks the wrong way. That's, that's the, the culture when China's like, we have our own culture, ma'am. You need to respect that, and, and we should still be able to partake in the business world because we just have a different culture. Don't shame us for our culture. No, they're actually just covering up their human rights atrocities that they're committing by claiming that it's just differences in culture. Same thing with the one-child policy where if um, basically China ran out of resources, Because when you try and implement communism, famine sets in and the society's economy collapses. And so in communist China, they decided to say that if you had more than one child, you had to abort the child. And if you sneakily had two children, uh uh-oh. So they would take women that were pregnant with their second child if they found them and they would drag them to the nearest table, abort them, the nearest little communist health facility. And by abort, I mean like forcibly take the woman's child out of her kill it, and then they would force sterilize her. Isn't that great? Um, so that's that's the cultural differences that China's always talking about. But because they do those things and they still want to compete on the normal capitalist world economy, they just say it's cultural differences. Um, so I thought that was interesting because it's like Klaus Schaub wants to bring us all together, but then the greater influences and in the things that they say and the people that they have to speak, they don't exactly seem to... Think about the world and economics and freedom the way Americans do, especially if you're having Xi Jinping and some of the other speakers that they've had. So that's when it gets concerning because they want to force this concept that it's definitely more leftist, that embraces uh, the, the pushing forward of the collective, the centralization of power, which is completely anti-American. Like I was saying earlier, talking about freedom papers, um, the entire premise of our country is that power is decentralized. So it, it just doesn't add up when you hear what they're saying versus what you, they tell you on paper their goals are. So getting into that, one of those goals is, is literally titled The Great Reset Initiative. And again, I could do an entire episode on just this, but I, this is more of an introductory episode for you guys. So I want you guys to go to your search engine of your choice and look up the World Economic Forum, and you will be able to on their website, just find the Great Reset Initiative. It's, it's like their main purpose. Um, it could be its own episode. This is just introductory, but I want you guys to check it out, okay? You're going to benefit from learning and reading this yourself. One of the main points that I'll just touch on quickly is that they want to change the mindset first and overall change how the world economy works. And they say that capitalism is a flawed concept. Um, so they want to step in. And they want to start coordinating on a global scale how they can improve the world. So that's out. you know, hearing that, it's like, hmm, interesting. But then you get a little more into it and you find out that they actually really enjoyed the COVID-19 lockdowns because it was a perfect setup for them to be able to start saying, this is the perfect time for the Great Reset. This is the perfect time for us to say, there will not be a normal that we return to. We only have a different future ahead of us. We will never return to the past. So one of my favorite things about the World Economic Forum is that it kind of fits the perfect evil, scary villain of a movie. You know what I mean? It's like some evil rich guy thinks he's going to take over the world and he has a funny accent and he looks like a super villain. And if you could imagine up what somebody who does this would look like, it would be Klaus Schwab, the leader of the world economic forum so first of all let's start off with a a little piece of information i'm looking up klaus schwab and the first thing that i find is a video of him in his office talking and he has a statue a bust of vladimir lenin on the back wall does that give you an idea of what we're about to deal with here (laughs) next thing i didn't know this about him benny johnson had a whole tweet thread about about this guy and he said fact Klaus Schwab was born in Ravensburg, Germany, in 1938. His father was a hardened Nazi party member who served the Third Reich war effort as the director of an industrial company that manufactured flamethrowers to kill Allied soldiers and burn down villages. This is Klaus Schwab just kind of chit-chatting.
0: It is important to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity So people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal, in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. Um, The the, uh, cut which we have now um, is much too strong uh, in order not to leave traces.
1: Hmm. So later, one quote that really caught my eye, and you guys, again, this is just very introductory, okay? We could do an entire episode on the World Economic Forum's background, on Klaus Schwab himself, and on this next guy that I'm going to tell you about. But the last thing about Klaus that caught my eye, in a French interview recently, he was asked about the timeline of microchipping humans by 2026, and his answer was, quote, at first we will implant them in our clothes, Then we will implant them in our brains or on our skin. In the end, maybe, there will be direct communication between our brain and the world. I just, why must they do this? So the next guy I want you to hear is Yuval Noah Harari. He is a frequent contributor and speaker at the World Health Organization and World Economic Forum events. Let's check him out.
0: I mean, all this story about Jesus rising from the dead and being the Son of God, this is fake news. Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody
1: knows what's happening inside me, so whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. That's over. That was a... Yuval Supercut. When I first found out about this guy, it was from J.P. Sears, his video. He did an entire video on just this guy. So again, go to J.P. Sears for more information on this right now, and I'll try and cover it in the future. But when we get into the discussion where you have global elites continually meeting every year and getting closer and closer to what they consider the Great Reset, I mean, who calls it something like that? supervillains and they talk about how us little peasant humans, we think we have free will, free thought, but that's over. I, do you see how it's just so completely against the American way? Our founders and basically Western values in general that embraced individual freedom, the freedom of the individual, and economic independence instead of serfdom or um, communism, where the government is in control of the assets and the functions of society. Our founders understood and fully believed, and it's true, that our rights come from God. When we're put on the planet, as humans, our rights are with us. And a government can either choose to Protect those rights, and we are very fortunate to live in a government that does so, or a government can choose to not. And so many people suffer under that, those consequences of the government that they live under. We live in a society that respects our God-given rights, innumerable rights. And sometimes I wonder, would the rise of these people We saw It was crazy what happened with the World Health Organization, and we're going to talk about that a little bit at the end too because they bring that that concept into this discussion. But when we talk about these people that are not elected representatives of our country alone, like it's hard enough to have to deal with unelected bureaucrats in our country like Dr. Fauci where we can't hold them accountable and they're like ingrained in the system and they're using regulation, not law, to dictate and ruin people's lives – shut down their livelihoods and small businesses, force us to take vaccines that are experimental at the time. And we don't feel comfortable with it, but we're told you have to or else, you know, you're given a choice, but the choice is that you aren't able to put food on the table, of course, that make your choice. When that happens, and then you have these people that are fully unelected talking about how they want global surveillance, global control of, and the elimination of free will in the human mind. I'm almost like maybe we need an addition, an, an amendment to the Bill of Rights where, yes, we have many rights listed out in that document. But maybe we need some sort of written down constitutional right to free will. Have you ever thought about that? I've never thought about this because it's almost so basic. I never thought that we had to discuss this. But hearing these people talk is like, oh my gosh, I almost want it. I want it put into our constitution to protect us from what might come in the future. Okay, so now before we transition into seeing some of the videos from now, there's some interesting tweets and and posts that I wanted to share with you guys just to give you an idea of how the World Economic Forum communicates about their their great reset and plan. Um, August 7th, 2020, they posted, How we're resetting our future state. Quote, the pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. Klaus Schwab. Another tweet says Welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. That was from a member of parliament in Denmark. That's a, a quote and an article that they shared onto their Twitter back in 2016. They then shared it again in 2017. Once again, welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. that That's what a, a communist state is, in case you didn't know. Um, you don't own anything. The government gives you everything whenever you need it in that sense of there's not much to give in the first place. And so the government controls where you live. They control where you show up to work. You don't get money in your, your account because you don't need it. The government just provides you the food and it's scraps, The government tells you everything that you need to do, and you just obey. You don't have anything. And I could get into a greater discussion on this, but there's a really important aspect of capitalism, economic independence, of the values of the West, of the nuclear family unit that is often overlooked when we're talking about economics and we're talking about, oh, well, people deserve to be able to own stuff. When you don't own things, when you can't have a family because the communist state has separated you, or because they encourage hookup culture, even as little as, like, they they just encourage you to not have families, whether the government forced it on you or culture did. When you don't have a family, when you don't have kids, when you don't have religion, because these people are godless and they push that onto us as well, and they often get rid of religious leaders and and, um, churches in their their countries whenever they take over. When you don't have that, when you don't have connections to the community, when you don't have a home to take care of, when you don't have a, a... career that you're trying to build if, if you care about building that you don't have much to fight for and you don't really have much to put up a big fight for against someone that's trying to take those things from you let alone prevent you from having them in the first place and you become I don't want to say sheep but you become easily controlled because you just don't have much to stand up for and defend in the first place but if you have something you believe in family, children, your God, your home, your property, all of the things that our American society is really built on, then you are going to stand up and fight if those things are challenged and taken from you especially. So it's just a completely different way of life that they discuss. Moving on to another one. They tweeted, Thinking big by thinking small how significantly downsizing our homes into, quote, tiny homes with all but the bare essentials is the key to building a better, more diverse, and less racist society. And they don't mean just a little tiny, usual suburban home, humble home. I'm looking at a picture I know that they posted of basically a box. And, like, you've seen the tiny homes, one of those. That is the key to building a better more diverse, and less racist society in the eyes of the WF. But you guys, remember what we were saying in the last episodes about the World Health Organization? I went on the Sean Ryan Show to talk about it as well. Remember how right now amendments are being proposed at the WHO that would empower the globalist organization controlled by an Ethiopian communist put in charge by Xi Jinping and the CCP? They bought the votes of developing countries, and that's how they got this communist in charge of the WHO in the first place, somebody who's never been a medical doctor, the first person to be in that position without having that title, these amendments give the World Health Organization the ability, the power to step into a country and declare that that country has a health emergency that could spread to a pandemic-level situation and harm the international community. So on behalf of the international community, this new power given to them would give the globalist WHO the power to come into a country like America and say, you have a problem, and we need to stop it with our own actions so that it won't spread to the rest of us. So Sean and I were on the show and discussing why that's concerning. It's it's because when things happen, the left often says, this is a pandemic. This, or this is an epidemic, this is a sickness. We've heard them even call racism a sickness before. We've heard it with guns, that, that gun violence is an epidemic in America. Climate change is also considered a pandemic to these people because they see it as affecting the health of America and the world. But I'm looking at this picture right now, posted by the World Economic Forum in 2020, It says social justice, inclusion, and sustainable development need a, quote, great reset. Here are three key steps we can take. And the picture that they've posted with this is a crowd of Black Lives Matter, which was founded by what? We uh, are trained Marxists. Thank you, Patrice. Trained Marxists. It's a picture of a Black Lives Matter rally, and they're taking up the whole street. And one person in the picture is holding up close to the camera And this is the only readable sign. It says racism is a pandemic too. So giving a a globalist organization authority to declare, uh uh-oh, there is a potential pandemic-level situation happening in an individual sovereign country. We can step in. We should step in. That's what's happening right now at the World Health Organization. And then people say, I'm crazy or whatever, like, oh, you're reading too much into it to claim that they're going to call anything that they want to use as their political ammo um, a pandemic. But I'm looking at this right now. World Economic Forum two years ago posted that racism is a pandemic too. So you tell me. Let's move on. I want to look at some of the example clips that have come out of this current meeting that's happening in Davos right now at the World Economic Forum Uh, First one is a panelist discussing how we need to accept and embrace the struggle of the current energy crisis that's leading to food shortages because our farmers and ranchers, their costs are going up significantly. They can either put that cost on the consumer, which they already have, and that's expected. I don't blame them. They need to. Or they could just say, crap, we can't afford to plant a certain X amount or take on a certain number of animals this year. And so these supply of food starts to dwindle you see how things like take really aggressive steps quite quickly when energy is involved and especially energy shortages energy struggles well let's get into the first thing this video is from the panelist talking about how we must embrace it
0: we need to accept that there will be some pain in the process Uh, the pace that we need will uh, will open up for missteps. Mm. Uh, it will open up for uh, shortages on energy. It will create inflationary pressures, and maybe we need to start talking about that. That that pain is actually worth it, because if we don't, uh, there's no business yeah, case, okay. there's no economy, there's there's no welfare. But but so far, I think we are have been a little bit careful, actually, talking about the pain in the short term that is likely to come from from, the, from this the very is, important yeah. change. Yeah.
1: So you guys, yeah, we're expected to pay $6 a gallon of gas this year across America, average Americans. So right now, states like California pay that much, and the average is currently around $4 for the rest of the states. But we are expected, we're being told to expect $6 for a gallon of gas this year. Um, This this concept that the energy suffering that we're going through is worth it for the overall climate change goals of the radical left, because they they believe the world is ending in 10 years— because of climate change, and that there there isn't going to be a world unless we do these changes, and so it's worth it, that is a classic communist concept of the end justifies the means. Now, the term is originally coined by Machiavelli, and read the prints, it's good, okay? If you haven't, you gotta read it. I just got a new... I just got my copy actually a hardcover for my library but he talks about the end justifies the means and in his terms he meant that the, if the goal is morally important enough then any method of achieving it should be allowed or, or even considered moral itself but the communists completely twisted this to justify their cruel and evil behavior and destructive actions to achieve their utopia so as vladimir lenin Remember Vladimir Lenin, the bust that's in Klaus Schwab's office, you guys? Vladimir Lenin, the communist dictator, mass murderer dictator, he is the one who had said, quote, you have to break eggs in order to make an omelet. So to them, it's worth it to break eggs to achieve the communist utopia that they have in their minds. The end justifies the means. The struggle makes it all worth it and their tactics. Another similar example of this, is when we had the Summer of Love, the 2020 riots where Black Lives Matter in predominantly black neighborhoods torched small businesses to the ground, pulled people out of their cars, and terrorized communities, looted, rioted, burned, beat, all in the name of social justice. And they had the gall to tell us that our property, that they were attacking, burning, looting, it's nothing compared to the struggle and the efforts that are needed to bring justice for black Americans. It's just property, okay? You have insurance, you can replace it, is what they told us. It's property versus human rights. And so it is worth it for them because they are trying to achieve such a moral end. Their means are worth it to them. It's disgusting. Now, moving on to the next one. We have, <laughs> we have president of Alibaba Group. His name is J. Michael Evans, and he's talking about individual carbon footprint trackers. What?
0: We're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on.
1: Oh, yeah, you guys, just stay tuned, okay? Not operational yet, but it's something that they're working on. I know that in one way it's like, oh, well, that sounds kind of nice. Like, you know, I want to know what the kind of impact I'm having on the world. You guys, don't be so naive, okay? If you're thinking that, I need you to think a little bit bigger here. I need you to think with a little more historical context. When they can track you, they will use that tracking ability to do other things to control you okay it's as simple as that and to know that they just talk openly about these things on panels where they know that they're being filmed they know that they are going to have people like me clip this and then talk about it and it's not like they're trying to hide it they're just very open about the fact that they see our future as one of mass global surveillance and control of the people the elimination of free will the control and the tracking of every move every consumption and to just hear them openly talk about it is really heartbreaking to me now this is a good one uh we got <laughs> one of the panelists is talking about how just everything's changing these days with technology and people say mean stuff and it's really not okay and so we really need to have a recalibration of human rights let's listen to this one we are finding ourselves in a place um, where we're we have increasing polarization everywhere and everything feels binary when it doesn't need to be. So I think we're going to have to think about a recalibration of a whole range of human rights that are playing out online, you know, from freedom of speech to the freedom to, you know, to be free from on- online violence or the uh, right of data protection to the right to child dignity. Bum, pam, recalibration of free speech on a global level. Uh, Very interesting. Now, what's so interesting is, you guys, and none of these things are American, okay? Going back to those lessons that we talked about earlier, the idea that our rights are given to us as humans when we're put on this planet, okay? They don't come from government. A government can protect those rights or infringe on them, but we have our rights as humans. That's the American way. There isn't a recalibration of human rights based on worldly circumstances. That's not how it works, okay? But to these people, that is how it works. That's how they see the world. That's how they see government. That's how they see freedom. And that's how they see the future. So with that being said, my friend Jack, I'm sure you guys have heard of this one. If you haven't heard of it, Jack Pesobic is over in Switzerland attending this as a journalist. And he's there with his family. I cannot believe... My heart broke for Tanya when I saw this because I was like, oh my gosh, she's probably so panicked. I would be at least if I found out my husband was being detained. But he's with Kevin as well. And the video goes out and Jack is just sitting outside of a cafe surrounded by numerous police officers that are armed surrounding him in a circle... (laughs) And he's just innocently sitting there at a table. And they wouldn't let him leave for almost an hour. What happened, I have a, a, I'm have, like a fangirl of this girl, this woman. Her name is Savannah Hernandez. And she is like the best journalist of our time, if you ask me. I don't know. I just she, she goes to all the places. And so I love seeing her videos. And she's doing amazing work. And she deserves all the credit possible. But Savannah Hernandez ends up being also there Hears that Jack is being detained for no reason, isn't being allowed to leave, is being surrounded by these armed guards that have, get this, patches on their arm that say World Economic Forum Police, And that they're just saying, please don't record us. They're telling Jack, please uh, delete the footage that you have of us. You cannot film us. You cannot film us, especially as you're asking why you're being detained. No, we don't have a reason for why you're being detained. Um, Savannah runs up with her camera and she starts immediately pressuring. Now, this is true journalism. I want you guys to hear this. This is what it means to speak truth to power. You know how the left always says that. This is what it actually looks like in real time. Okay. Excuse me. Can I ask you why you're detaining this journalist? Can you put the phone away please? Uh, can I ask you why you're detaining this journalist?
0: I don't answer your question. Is it uh, not uh, we're not
1: able to away. report here? Please put Excuse the phone me? away.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, can I ask you guys yeah. why you you're can, being can you
0: Yeah, can can you um, please stop filming? Then we How, can talk. Uh, why
1: do I need to stop filming?
0: Because I ask you to. It's, the per, it's my you to. It's the don't like to be filmed. than okay. it's a right in Switzerland. Um, if I don't want to but be filmed... But should I ask why he's being detained then? I won't point the camera at you then. I won't film you, but I would like to know why this journalist is being detained on... Public property. We're not, we're, what, what's detained? Uh, can you? Explain How come word? he's
1: being surrounded right now? Is he uh-huh. allowed to
0: leave the area? We're we're just um, making a normal police control uh, because you know it's web. Everything is, is very there a sensitive.
1: he specifically was targeted. Uh,
0: there is a reason because we we have to have a reason to 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 uh, so control a, a what person. What was the reason?
1: What was he doing?
0: I don't have to tell you that why why are you, why are you asking me that uh
1: because this is uh you know he's uh, there's many journalists here, and I want to yeah, know why no. he specifically is being detained
0: there there is a reason, but uh everything is clear now, and um we're about to leave in just a few seconds thank you okay
1: um yeah, could you please now uh can I ask you please to delete your wow 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 um First of all, kudos to Savannah Hernandez and Jack and the rest of the people over there that are covering this. I mean, wow. Um, It's just fascinating to see it all. And kudos to Savannah for having the courage and just doing her job. She's just doing her job. But she's doing it in a way that we don't see in America anymore in terms of from journalists, except for like the riot squad. They're the ones that are kind of bringing back that concept of journalism, of speaking truth to power, of holding power accountable. And so it's awesome to see. And Jack was not getting out of there, it looks like, until Savannah went up and actually started pressuring them about their reasonings. Because as soon as that happened, they said, we're actually, you know, we're heading out, we're heading out. Now it had been an hour. Um, They said he looked suspicious. What does that even mean? So you can surround people with armed guards? And why do they have their own police force already? What is happening with that? So either way, you would think that on the international stage to see an American journalist with a press pass harassed in such a way, surrounded, harassed for no reason... You would think that maybe American leadership would say, listen, that's not how we do business, okay, and maybe give some sort of comment, some sort of statement. I feel like if it was on the other side, if it was a left-leaning person, anybody from the mainstream media, if this happened to them, it would be an outrage, and Biden would be speaking out his new, what's her name, Kareen, I I keep wanting to call her Jen Psaki i got to find out this new woman's name, but the new press secretary, she would be talking about this. An American journalist was harassed, and there was no comment by our leadership. I think that's ridiculous. On top of that, you guys, this is a fantastic, fantastic reminder. On top of all the crazy things that they've said, this is just the cherry on top. A good reminder that the rest of the world does not think or work like America. We have God-given rights protected by our government. We have a First Amendment that protects the free press because the point of a free press is that people, when they aren't able to be held accountable, they'll do bad things. And when they can operate in the shadows, they'll do bad things. The point of the First Amendment is to, yes, protect your ability as an individual to say things without being oppressed or or hurt in that way, attacked by your government or put in jail, any of those things. But it is also the power to be able to ask questions to be able to be a journalist in the first place without being intimidated in such an aggressive way. Okay. So on top of those God given rights, we also have checks and balances of power and this world economic forum. I hope this at least opened a little bit of your eyes for now. They don't believe in checks and balances of power. We saw that with their harassment of Jack in just one tiny example, but we see it with their continued messaging. You will own nothing by 2030 and you will be happy. You will have no privacy and you will be happy. Capitalism is a flawed concept and we need to expand our thoughts beyond country borders and think in a global setting to come together to solve the problems of the world. Also, racism is a pandemic. We need to help America out. (laughs) But this idea of top-down, centralized power is the most un-American thing you can imagine. So we should not be participating in this. This is a great example of why conforming to that globalist mindset is dangerous. They do not operate or see freedom like we do here in this country. There's a lot to be thankful for because of our differences with the rest of the world. They make fun of us sometimes. They call us crazy. They say that we have a gun problem, all that stuff. I really don't care what they say because I know how the rest of the world operates. I don't want to operate like them. I would always choose to be in America with our system of checks and balances, our Bill of Rights, our constitutional structure of federalism. Now, that being said, you guys, thanks so much. Remember to go to ZeggersFreedomFlags.shop if you want a flag. Um, Betsy Ross is my favorite. The two-foot flag is really like the best bang for your buck, I would say, and it fits if you have like a smaller apartment. I know I have a lot of younger listeners. So if you need a smaller option, I got you. Um, The two-foot flag is really it. Remember to go subscribe to the Freedom Records because we interview people that escaped communist China. We've interviewed people that have lived through the USSR satellite countries and escaped from those that have crossed borders, first escaping the Nazis, then escaping the USSR as they came into the satellite countries. That's a fascinating story. People that escaped Cuba, people that escaped Venezuela. All of these people came to America and their one core message is there is no other place to go. Okay, I came here because I I knew that I could seek refuge and be a true American here. I mean, that was the original concept of, of the melting pot, right? We have completely abandoned that. It's disgusting. But there are still people out there that understand how unique America is. And a lot of them had to escape communism to get here and would do quite a lot to protect this country because they understand how important it is. Last thing, if you guys could subscribe to this, I would super duper appreciate it. Subscribe, give me five stars, and let people know that you're listening to this. Thank you, and I hope you have a nice day.